0: Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Charlie Wingard to the podcast. Dr. Wingard serves as associate professor of pastoral theology and dean of students at Reform Theological Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. He also serves as senior pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Yazoo City, mississippi dr wingard welcome to preaching and preachers
1: uh thank you so much uh for your kindness and including me on your podcast
0: yeah i've been looking forward to the conversation for some time and we're going to be talking today about advice for the new pastor really building the conversation upon your recently released book entitled help for the new pastor practical advice for your first year of ministry and uh, that's out recently with P and R Publishers, and so delighted to have this conversation today with you. And uh, we trust it'll be encouraging for our listeners who, who tend to be those engaged in pastoral ministry, local church service, seminary students, and the like. And so this topic today, uh, I trust will be helpful for many, advice for the new pastor. But listen, before we get into that, uh, how about a word of update from you and your ministry and, and your family and your 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 context of service there at, at, at RTS?
1: I serve as the uh, professor of pastoral theology at RTS Jackson. It's just my great joy to be involved in the lives of so many students there preparing for gospel ministry, and I also serve as the senior pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Yazoo City. Uh, it's a great joy to me to be at that uh, church. I tell people I'm in my fifth year of my honeymoon there. They've been wonderful to me, and it's uh, a joy being a part of their lives.
0: Yeah. Look, I, every time I hear Yazoo City and kind of small towns in Mississippi, I, I my mind harkens back to Jerry Clower and stories about yeah. Yazoo City. And uh, a certain subset of our listeners know the name Jerry Clower, but, um, but, but what a— uh, what a reputation he had, and a career he had, and uh, I know you know the name Jerry Clower.
1: My introduction to Yazoo City was my parents listening to the Grand Ole Opry and Jerry Clower being a regular guest.
0: Yeah, well, there, there you have it right there. And so many of our younger listeners right now are googling Jerry Clower, and uh, they will they will be enriched uh, in so doing, I'm sure. They will be. Hey, tell me, uh, just RTS, how you guys are handling COVID-19, how things have shaped up this summer, how things are shaping up for the fall? Uh,
1: Right now, we're having in-person classes, and we're also having remote residential classes, and uh, some of them are a hybrid. Uh, I just completed uh, teaching a course in pastoral ministry where we go through the fundamentals of ministry, and I had uh, 24 students that were in other parts of the country, and that went exceedingly well. And uh, our Hebrew class right now, I believe they have about 25 students that are in the classroom and then another 12 or 13 uh, that are joining online. And uh, our Hebrew professor, Miles Van Pelt, has done a marvelous job blending them together and making that an integrated classroom.
0: Well, that's great. Well, listen, let's get to uh, the topic today. So tell me the the genesis of the book, what prompted you to write it and uh, to give sustained thought to the topic.
1: Well, I owe the book to my wife. About 10 years ago, she began to encourage me to write a book. She said, you've been mentoring men for so long, 30 years at that time. Why don't you go ahead and uh, write a book and share some of your thoughts? And I wasn't very much interested in doing that. Frankly, I'd rather do ministry than write about it. But in uh, 2013, I had a stroke. At a time in which I had been invited uh, to consider coming to RTS in Jackson, and I wasn't sure whether I wanted to leave my uh, church in Huntsville, Alabama, to do that. And so we sat down and talked together and decided what we would want to do in uh, this, uh, the uh, backside of our life, what would how we would want to invest our time. And uh, Lynn and I decided, well, we would like to invest it in students. So we came to RTS. And this book uh, are my reflections on ministry and the lecture materials that I share with my students in the classroom.
0: So we're talking about the new pastor, and especially that that first year of ministry. And look, it is pivotal; it's vital that that goes well. And I remember I'm I'm still a relatively young man, but I remember my first pastorate, which was in uh, fall of 2002, and my wife and I are relatively, you know. Recently married, no children yet. And I remember the sense of urgency uh, of just kind of knowing in my bones that if that first pastorate did not go well, that would probably shape my view, our view, my my, my wife and I both, our view of the local church, of local church ministry, and uh, perhaps send us on a trajectory of ministry for better, for worse. If, if it went well, uh, then it would be for better. And uh, it would probably deepen our love for God's people, deepen our commitment to the local church. And I remember feeling, feeling that weight. And uh, by God's grace, the, the, the pastor went very well. As a sweet congregation who were supportive, and the Lord did some special things there during those, during those years. I mean, do you sense the same? I mean, how pivotal is that first year? How pivotal is that first pastorate? How important is it to get it right?
1: Well, I think it's a make or break year for most uh, young ministers. Uh, If you come to your first church, you're prepared, you have realistic expectations, uh, then I think even in a difficult environment, you can have a joy filled ministry. Uh, But if you haven't been prepared adequately, uh, you can arrive at your first church and simply be crushed because you're not prepared well, and also because your expectations have been Unrealistic, and so what I'm interested in doing is just helping men to show up ready to do ministry from day one with a clear set of expectations uh, uh, for their first year on the field.
0: So you have a you know a host of factors here. One that that young man, that new pastor, uh, his personal preparation, whether that's formal preparation at a seminary like RTS or Midwestern Seminary. Uh, the whether that's through informal contacts and touches by older brothers in the faith, mentors who invest in them, so forth, so forth. You also have the variables of the congregation itself. Uh, how receptive is that converse, that congregation to the preaching of the word, uh, to uh, to your leadership, to your service there? And so, I, I guess, help us to tease out a little bit. Both of those categories. Uh, on the on the first, what what young men should be doing. And pursuing by way of preparation, both formal and informal. And then uh, perhaps we can circle back around and talk about the church that one would pastor and what to look for in that church, what to pray for in that church.
1: Well, let me begin by uh, starting with what a young man should do when they show up at their uh, first church. And I think as I share that answer, what kind of preparation they need will be uh, evident. Uh, The first thing that I think that they need to be prepared to do is to be patient with their congregation. When they show up at a congregation, they need to listen carefully to the history of the church, find out about its identity. They don't need to be rushing to change things. They need to build trust with the people that they're uh, serving. So I think they need to come to their first church with a mindset of uh, patience, of listening. Of seeking to understand. Uh, They'll see plenty of things that they believe will need to be changed in the life of that congregation, Uh, but if they uh, come demanding change, they'll almost certainly cripple their ministry right from the start. Uh, Another thing that I think a young man needs to understand as he prepares to take that first church is that He'll be going someplace where he won't have the support structures that he had had in seminary he had his classmates he had his professors uh, those won't be close at hand anymore. An additional problem that a young man faces too is that if he and his wife have been exceedingly popular uh, they've chosen their friends through the year because uh, through the years sharing mutual interests. Uh, having the same high esteem of each other. When they show up at their first church, they may find that people are very different from them, that they don't have those shared experiences, and that it takes a while to build those relationships. And what I want uh, my students to be prepared for is that it's going to take time to earn trust, uh, to build friendships with people that are different from them, to give it time to relax and watch what the Lord will do as they establish these relationships uh, in their new congregation. And uh, maybe a, a, another area that I want people to think through very carefully before they go to the church is about how to handle conflict. I think some men when they arrive at their first church, they're shocked at the amount of conflict that might be present in the congregation. And some men actually leave the ministry because of the presence of that conflict. And what I want to communicate with them is that conflict's an opportunity for growth. Uh, It can lead to repentance. It can lead to mutual understanding, the healing of broken relationships that may have marred that church's effectiveness through the years. I just want them to relax and think what can be accomplished as they work to be a peacemaker in a church that may have had a troubled uh, history, those are the kind of things that I'm thinking about when I'm working with my students, trying to prepare them for their first church.
0: You know, in your book, you talk about perceptions and expectations, and, and you, you speak to the fact that many young men go into their first churches with perhaps unrealistic expectations or, or misplaced expectations. Uh, help us to think through that, both what are common misconceptions and, and help us to frame rightly. Uh, one's view of the church going into it?
1: I I think that someone can enter their first church with a high view of preaching, which they should have. They should understand that it is through the proclamation of the word that God saves sinners, uh, that he sanctifies and sustains uh, his people. They should have absolute confidence in the power of the word of God But what they have to be prepared for is especially if they're going to a congregation that hasn't had a good solid expository preacher prior to their arrival it's going to take time uh, for that congregation to adjust to the minister and to his approach to ministry and again they need to be uh, patient always praying uh, for themselves that they'll articulate the word of god clearly Uh, That they'll seek the fruit of God's preached word among the congregation, but not to be disappointed if it takes more time than they thought to begin to see those fruits borne out in the lives of the people that they're serving.
0: So you mentioned expository preaching in particular, and uh, of course that's what we advocate for here, and I've sought to practice in my personal life and ministry. And uh, you touched on the fact that that look many churches have not experienced that previously, and a young man may be eager, ready to preach, want to go into his first church and preach, you know, hour long sermons, uh, working their way (laughs) methodically through a book in the Bible, spending perhaps years going through through that book. And you have a church that's maybe been accustomed to twenty five minute topical sermonettes, and uh, there can be a real conflict there. How do you encourage young men to to not forfeit their convictions or or not fail to appropriate what they've learned in seminary by way of exegesis and the humble addicts, but at the same time not to blow up the congregation uh, week three?
1: Uh, yes. I, I, I think with regard to the preaching, I would want them uh, to not overestimate their own ability uh, to hold the interest of a congregation. Uh, you don't come... To your first church as a mature and experienced preacher ordinarily. And so you, you want to be realistic about how long your sermons should be. Uh, you don't want to tax a congregation uh, that is not used to longer sermons. At the same uh, time, uh, you want to also remember that a lot of the goodwill that is built up in a congregation that makes them more open to your preaching is the level of pastoral care that you provide for them during the week. And I want my uh, students to understand that the reception that their sermons receive, many times that reception uh, uh, is made more palatable to the congregation because he's invested himself into the routine uh, pastoral care that that congregation so desperately needs. He's been there to visit them uh, he's gone to the hospital when they're sick. He's been with uh, families who are, are, are grieving. He's offered counsel, and that makes them more attentive and patient with him as he preaches the Word on Sunday morning. So I think there's a relationship between the level of pastoral care that a new minister provides and the receptivity of the congregation to his preaching.
0: So you drifted into pastoral care, which is where I, I wanted to go next. Um, what are... Like important suggestions you would give for new pastors in this
1: area? Uh, to develop a, a schedule for visiting people in their homes, and as much as that is possible. I, I know when I, I, I've I been serving churches now for 40 years, it's much more difficult now to visit people in the home than it once was. But I still think that the pastor that takes the time To visit people in the home, overcome the obstacles to that. I think that that will pay rich dividends in building trust in the congregation and also providing those opportunities uh, to minister the word of God to families. Also, other uh, things that a new minister should uh, do is to think about people that he can get together with for breakfast, for lunch, men in the congregation, as uh, you invest your lives in men. You want to be a resource for them so that those men can learn to feed their families from the word of God Uh, and being a part of the lives of the children in the congregation. I teach children Sunday school. I think these uh, can be done early in a man's ministry and contribute to the building up of a relationship that has mutual uh, trust and respect.
0: So we've talked a lot about the pastor, the congregation, but we need to focus on the pastor's family for a moment or two here. Uh, if he's married, if he has children, then, then there are more stakeholders in this than just the pastor and the, and the parishioners. What's your counsel for a pastor to do, to think, to cultivate uh, in the lives of his own family members?
1: The, the sheep that are going to require the most attention— of a pastor uh, in his congregation are those members of his own family. Uh, he has a priority there to um, minister to them. And so one of the things that I like to tell my uh, students is you need to take seriously spiritual disciplines, family worship, family prayer, uh, times of uh, prayer with your wife, apart from the children. Those are essential to strong and healthy family life where you're nurturing your family and the lord but it's also important that when you're with your family that you be fully present with them i try to get my students while they're in seminary when you go home put away your computer uh, put away the cell phone and be fully present with your family members uh, engage them in conversation don't let other things distract them when you're in, the, in your place of study Focus on your studies, but when you're at home, concentrate on the members of, of your family. And I think uh, that one of the things that a young minister needs to do when it comes to a, a, a to to a new church is to make sure that he guards his evenings in as much as he can. There's some meetings that have to take place in the evenings. We all know that meetings of the church, meeting of church boards, uh, but it's been my uh, practice throughout uh, my ministry uh, to only go to our Board of Elders meetings. I, I don't go regularly to other meetings in the church. If they need me from time to time, I'll come to help them repurpose a committee or to give counsel, but I try to minimize the number of meetings that I'm expected to be at uh, during the course of a month. And uh, evenings, I try to guard in as much as I can to be with my family.
0: Our time is coming to a conclusion here, but but before we tidy things up, uh, you know, many young pastors go into churches and they've never administered anything before. They find themselves having to administer whether it's meetings, whether it's the congregation as a whole, church calendar, articulate a vision for the church. Uh, you speak to that in your book. Give us a few words of counsel in this regard.
1: Well, you're going to be judged, um, young minister, by the quality, uh, of the quality of your administration of the church's affairs. Uh, sometimes a church will say when they're looking for a new pastor, we want them to be a strong preacher, strong teacher. But they mark uh, administration as a virtue that uh, that is not as important to them as the others. But if things go awry at a church, uh, if a church is not managed properly, the pastor is going to be held accountable for that. So I encourage young men while they're in seminary uh, to learn how to use a calendar, how to prepare agendas for meetings, how to plan out a church year or two years in advance uh, so uh, so that in the church's life they're able to bring about these uh, meetings in as effortless a way as possible. You want it to seem, uh, you want your congregation to sense that you know how to plan and execute plans. And that requires much thought and careful attention. The other thing I would say about administration that's really important to me is that you want to be able Uh, in your church to build teams of people that work together collegially. So as an administrator, I'm trying to to do that to put together teams that serve the Lord together and build goodwill as we work to accomplish the Lord's purposes in his church. And the other thing that I uh, want uh, to accomplish through administration is to multiply my ministry. I want to teach others to teach. I want to uh, help others to become visitors among the flock of God. Uh, One of the ways that I can multiply my ministry is by equipping others to do the work of ministry.
0: Well, with that, we'll leave it there. Dr. Winger. thank you for joining me on Preaching and Preachers.
1: Well, you're very kind to have me on your program. I appreciate it very, very much.
0: You bet. Well, listen, I hope your book gets a wide reading. Again, it's entitled Help for the New Pastor, Practical Advice for Your First Year of Ministry out with PNR Publishers. Dr. Wingard, God bless.
1: Thank you. The Lord
0: be with you. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.